We are in Luke chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 5 through 7. Please stand with me out of honor to God and His Word as we look today at Mother Elizabeth. Mother Elizabeth. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. Thank you. May be seated. Again, we are celebrating moms today, and uh, we are grateful for all of our moms, uh, whether they're living or they've gone on to be with the Lord. We are grateful for all of our moms. But there was a teacher, and she had a, gra- a class of second grade students, and she gave them a big lesson about magnets, magnets, and what magnets do. So the next day, in a written test, She included this question. My full name has six letters. The first letter is M. I am strong. I am attractive. I pick up things. What am I? Well, half the students wrote mother for the answer. Let's look at Mother Elizabeth today. First of all, I want you to see that Elizabeth was religious. She was religious. She was from the priestly tribe of Aaron, verse 5 tells us. Her husband, Zechariah, he was a priest himself. And as not only being in the line of priests, but married to a priest, she was expected to worship and behave in a manner becoming of priestly wives. She obeyed God's commands and ordinances. Look in verse 6. It says, They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And so she obeyed God's commands and ordinances. Obedience to God is faith in action. Elizabeth did not pick and choose which commands to obey. Again, it says she obeyed all of them, all of them. Elizabeth was a woman of sincere commitment. She served God out of love, respect, and thankfulness. She did not serve God for improper motives, like to get something she wanted. She didn't see serving God because God didn't give her what she wanted. We all know what Elizabeth wanted which any woman in that day would have wanted, a child. That's what she wanted. But she served God out of love, respect, and thankfulness, not to get a child, not to get something she wanted. And when she didn't get what she wanted, she didn't stop serving God. She was a woman of sincere commitment. She was religious. Now be careful here because being religious doesn't save us, but it can be helpful. If you are religious, that means you're probably going to prioritize the faith. If you are religious, that means you will faithfully attend church. If you are religious, you will support church activities physically by showing up, financially by coughing up, and participatingly by stepping up. And so Elizabeth was religious. That didn't get her to heaven, but it was a step in the right direction. But I want you to see, secondly, that Elizabeth was righteous. She was righteous. Now, we, we learn that here. If you notice verse 6, it says they were both, talking about her husband, Zachariah, but she too, and they were both righteous before God. She was righteous. Now, human righteousness is like filthy rags before God. You probably know Isaiah 64, 6. It says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The best you and I can do is filthy rags before God. But yet she was righteous. How can that be? Well, only God makes people truly righteous by grace through faith in Him. Remember all the way back to the book of Genesis and Abram. 
Abram's faith was counted as righteousness. Look here at Genesis 15:6. And he believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. Elizabeth had a deep faith in God, which made her righteous in God's eyes. Again, look back to verse 6, what it says. And they were both righteous before God. Now, were they righteous? Were they perfect in every way? No. But where it mattered, they were righteous before God. Because of grace through faith, they were righteous in God's eyes. And Elizabeth was righteous in God's eyes. You know, that was a couple thousand years ago, but righteousness still only comes by grace through faith in God. In the New Testament, we believers put our faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that He died on the cross to pay for our sins, that He was buried for our sins, and He rose again the third day. But who is Jesus? Jesus is God. And so the Old Testament people put their faith in God. New Testament people, we put our faith in God. God has never changed the way He saves people. He has always saved people by grace through faith in Him. Hear one of my favorite verses in all the Scriptures, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Now having been made righteous by grace through faith, we will desire to live righteously. First of all, by obeying God's commands. What are God's commands? Well, the Ten Commandments get us started. They are certainly a guide to living. And so we obey God's commands. We also, as a church, we obey God's ordinances like baptism and the Lord's Supper. So having been being made righteous, we will desire to live righteously, obeying God, following the Spirit's leading, following the Spirit's convicting. I've heard people tell me, you know, I try to be a good person, I try to live a good life, but we all got to have a vice. You know, we all got to have, there's got to be something, uh, something to, uh, some sin that we, we kind of harbor. Hear me, my friends, if you want to please God, you don't need a vice, you need to be holy. You don't need a vice, you need to be holy. Well, Elizabeth was not only religious, which that didn't get her to heaven, but it was a step in the right direction, but she was also righteous. And by grace through faith, we are righteous. So being made righteous by God, we will want to live righteous lives. But thirdly, I want you to see that Elizabeth was reproached. She was reproached. Look over in verse 25. I didn't read this. But Elizabeth says, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. She was reproached. Why? Because Elizabeth was barren. She didn't have any children, and she couldn't have children. Now, the Old Testament has many examples of women who were barren, women who couldn't have children. This is the only example in the New Testament, Elizabeth. Children in that day were seen as a special blessing from God. The highest honor for a woman of her time was to not just have a baby, but to have a baby boy. And barrenness was considered to be shameful. For a woman did not have any child, boy or girl, that was considered to be shameful. Again, she says in verse 25, you've taken away my reproach because you I think you know the story. You know what's going to happen here. Barrenness was considered God's curse for sin. So when a woman couldn't have a child, the people of the day believed that's because God was cursing her because she had done something wrong. So Elizabeth, because she didn't have any children, she thought she had been specifically sinful. I don't know what she thought she did. She probably didn't know what she thought she did. But she said, well, I can't have, I can't have a baby, so obviously I've done something wrong. Not only did Elizabeth think that, but all of Elizabeth's acquaintances, they thought the same thing too. She doesn't have a kid. She must have done something wrong. 
I mean, we see her out in public and she seems to be a good person, but must be behind closed doors. That's when she lets loose. And so she believed that about herself and others believed that too. She was cursed of God because she could not have a child. And yet we know that Elizabeth was righteous and blameless before God. You know how we know that? Because God said so. Look in verse 6. They both, right? not only Elizabeth, but Zechariah too, they walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. So she hadn't been specifically sinful, even though that's what she thought, and her acquaintances would have thought the same thing. Learn something from Elizabeth here. People who serve God faithfully are not trouble-free or without heartache. People who serve God faithfully, like Elizabeth, do not live lives that are trouble-free, and they do not live lives that have no heartache. I think all of you moms could probably stand up, don't do it, but you could stand up right now and testify, yes, as a mom, I tried to live as a godly mom, but I've had heartache through the years. My kids or my grandkids or whatever, I've had heartache. Again, Elizabeth was righteous before God. She was blameless in her obedience. Was her life trouble-free? No. Did she experience heartache? Yes, she did. To make matters worse, though, Elizabeth was old. So not only was she barren, but she was old. She was beyond childbearing years. Her hope had now crossed the threshold into the realm of impossibility. So she had been barren all these years, but she kept thinking, well, maybe, maybe something will happen. Maybe I'll have a boy or a girl. But now she's well stricken in years, verse 7 says. She's beyond childbearing years. It's impossible now. Motherhood was a great honor in Elizabeth's day. And it's still a great honor today. No process is more miraculous than motherhood. I don't know if you've ever studied statistics before, but conception is statistically impossible. I know people conceive all the time and have babies all the time. We see it here at church. We love it. But statistically speaking, it is impossible to conceive a child. There are so many factors. So every child, regardless of the circumstances of conception, must be celebrated and protected. Every child regardless of the circumstances of its conception, must be celebrated and must be protected. No process is more miraculous than motherhood. And no role is more influential than motherhood. Think about this. Every great inventor had a mother. Every great orator had a mother. Every great musician had a mother. Every great doctor had a mother. Every great leader had a mother. Every great deliverer had a mother. Even the greatest deliverer of all, Jesus Christ, he had a mom. William Ross Wallace is famous for saying, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Pick anybody you want in all of history, except for Adam and Eve. They had moms. No process is more miraculous than motherhood. No role is more influential than motherhood. Because the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. So Elizabeth, she was religious. That's a good thing. She was also righteous. But then she was reproached because she was barren. But I want you to see, fourthly, that Elizabeth was rewarded. 
She was rewarded. She conceived through natural process with supernatural assistance. This was natural conception by divine intervention. Now, Zechariah had learned, her husband had learned from an angel that he would be a father. Look over in verse 11. It says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And so she conceived through natural process with supernatural assistance. Zachariah was to name his boy John. The name John means God is gracious. John would bring Zachariah and Elizabeth joy and gladness. And John would be great in God's eyes. Would he be great in man's eyes? Maybe, maybe not. But he'd be great in God's eyes. And what could a mom wish for more than that? That her son would be great in God's eyes. Elizabeth would give birth to a boy. Not just a child, but a boy. Now remember in that day, the highest, the highest aspect for a mother would be to give birth to a boy. And so she's not going to have a girl which would have removed her shame, but she had a boy which underscored God's favor in her life. You might remember from the Christmas story that Elizabeth's conception encouraged and convinced Mary. You might remember when the angel comes to Mary and says, by the way, you're going to bear the Christ child. Mary then asks the angel, well, how can this be? I've never been with a man before. How is this even possible? And the angel responds, with God all things are possible. Then the angel says this, even your elderly cousin Elizabeth is expecting. So what does Mary do? Mary goes to visit Elizabeth to confirm the story of the angel. She's like, Elizabeth, you're not going to believe this, but an angel told me something, and I had to come and see if it were true. And what happened? Elizabeth's unborn baby jumped for joy when Mary walked in. Look in verse 44. For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And then notice what Elizabeth calls Mary. In verse 42, she says, Mary, you're blessed And your unborn baby is blessed. Verse 42. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And then look in verse 43. Elizabeth calls Mary the mother of my Lord. It says, And what is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now this happened without any prior knowledge of Mary's circumstance. Elizabeth didn't know. It's not like Mary called her, Mary texted her, Mary sent her an email. You couldn't do that back then. Elizabeth didn't know anything about this. And so Mary walks in, the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb, and then Elizabeth says, you're blessed, your baby's blessed, you're the mother of my Lord. She didn't know any of that ahead of time. Now God had to carefully choose John's mother. Because mothers have a vital role in raising children, both physically and spiritually. First of all, God needed to ensure that John's mother was pro-life. There you go again, Brother Gary. You're bringing up politics. No, I'm not. I'm not bringing up politics. I'm bringing up the heinous aspect of murder in our culture. John's mother needed to be pro-life. Abortion is nothing new. They had abortion back then, just like they have it today. And certainly if 
Elizabeth were to have a baby in her old age, that would be very convenient, inconvenient, inconvenient. But God had to make sure that Elizabeth was pro-life. Secondly, God had to make sure that John's mother wouldn't lead him away from his mission. Again, mothers are very influential. And moms, make sure that you influence your children towards godliness. And thirdly, God needed to ensure that John's mother would encourage and prepare him for his mission. What was his mission? He was to be the forerunner for the Messiah. He was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. So had his mother not been pro-life, there would not have been somebody to prepare the way. Had Elizabeth led John away from his mission, there would have been nobody to prepare the way for Jesus. But God carefully chose Elizabeth, knowing that she would encourage and prepare John for his mission to prepare the way for the Messiah. My friends, motherhood and children are a reward from God. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 127 and verse 3. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So we've seen today that Elizabeth, she was religious. That's a good thing. Doesn't get you to heaven, but it's good. But she was righteous. That does get you to heaven by grace through faith. She was also reproached. Everybody said, there's something wrong with her because she doesn't have any kids. Then she was rewarded. She did conceive and bear a child. And I want you to see lastly that Elizabeth was repeated. John grew up to be spiritually just like his mom. Remember how she was religious? John grew up to be religious. In fact, he was a Nazarite. Now you can read about Nazarites in Numbers chapter 6, but when you take a Nazarite vow, that means you drink no alcohol, you touch nothing dead, and you never cut your hair. That was John the Baptist. He was religious. He was a Nazarite. Not only that, he shared his faith with others. Look what Luke says in Luke 3.3. And he came into all the country around about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for their mission of sins. And he was obedient. He pointed others to Christ. Look at Luke 3.16. I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. This is precisely the mission that God had given John to point others to Christ, to prepare the way for the Messiah. He had been raised to do what was pleasing to God. And so when he was on his own, what did he do? He did that which was pleasing to God. He understood his mission was not about himself, but about Jesus. And that's why in John 3.30, John the Baptist says, He must increase and I must decrease. So John grew up to be spiritually like his mom. He was religious. Secondly, he was righteous. He was righteous. Himself, he lived a life of personal faith in God. And he preached that others repent of their sins and live righteous lives. And thirdly, John the Baptist was rewarded. John prepared the way for Jesus the Messiah. Through his preaching and by his baptizing, he prepared the way for Jesus the Messiah. And John was honored by Jesus himself. In fact, Jesus said there's never been a greater prophet ever than John the Baptist. Look here at Luke 7, 28. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. What an honor for Jesus to say that about you. And then an even greater honor. Jesus allowed John to baptize him. You can read about that in Matthew 3, verses 13 through 15. Now it is an honor for any preacher to baptize somebody who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's an honor. 
but to baptize Jesus Christ himself? What a great honor! So John was rewarded. He got to prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus said, John is the greatest there's ever been. And then Jesus allowed John to baptize him. Moms, your children will repeat what they've learned from you. Whatever it is they've learned from you, good or bad, they're going to repeat it. Sometimes immediately you say something and they'll say it. More often over time. And remember this verse from Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way you should go and when he's old he won't depart from it. Moms, your children will repeat what they've learned from you. Make sure you are modeling to them what you want them to repeat. I'm sure there's a lot of things, moms, dads, everybody else, there's a lot of things we wouldn't want repeated about us. So make sure you model to your children what you want them to repeat. And as John introduced Jesus to his generation, we are to introduce him to our generation beginning with our children. We need to tell our children that Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins. That Jesus was buried for their sins. And the third day Jesus rose again from the dead. We must tell them this. You say, well, that's John the Baptist's job. He's not here anymore. He's with his mom in heaven. He introduced Jesus to his generation. We introduced Jesus to our generation. The same Jesus. And so as we celebrate this Mother's Day and we looked at Mother Elizabeth. We see, first of all, she was religious. Again, it's good to be religious, but that doesn't get you in the gates of heaven. But it's a good thing. But we see, secondly, she was righteous in God's eyes. That does get you into heaven. We see, thirdly, she was reproached. Just because she lived a good life and a life pleasing to God, that didn't mean she was trouble-free. That didn't mean she'd never experience heartache. But we see, fourthly, she was rewarded. She ended up having a baby, and not just a baby, a baby boy, which in that time, that was the ultimate. And then we see finally that Elizabeth was repeated. Her little baby boy grew up to be just like mom, spiritually speaking. He was religious. He was righteous. He was rewarded. As he introduced his generation to Jesus, you and I, moms, dads, and everybody else, we must do the same. Let the world know that Jesus died to pay for their sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. The invitation this morning is, first of all, for you, whether you're a mom or dad or anybody else, to receive Jesus as your Savior. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior, today's the day. Now's the time. You'll never forget. It was Mother's Day. What is this? 2023. It was Mother's Day, 2023, when I received Christ as my Savior. You'll never forget it. So receive Christ as Savior. If you're already a believer, remember, especially if you're a parent, your children are going to repeat what they've seen you do, what they've heard you say. Be careful what you do. Be careful what you say. May our lives bring glory, honor, and praise to Almighty God. And may our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren learn to repeat that. We're going to pray in a moment, and then we're going to sing a hymn. And during that hymn, just so you know what's going on, the choir is going to come back up to the choir loft because they have something special they would like to share with you as our benediction. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Elizabeth. What a model mom for us to look at this morning from your word. May we learn from her that just because 
somebody is righteous in your eyes, that doesn't mean everything is happy-go-lucky. Yet she remained faithful. She remained committed to you. And may we follow that example of hers. And Lord, we need to understand that our children, grandchildren, will repeat what they've learned from us. May they learn righteousness and godliness. May that be what we pass on to the next generation as well as faith in Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.